Algar Productions. Despite the title, the following podcast is most decidedly not for kids. This is the Kids Love Batman podcast with your hosts, Matt Robotham and Ron Algar Watt. Episode 2, Nothing to Fear and The Last Laugh. Hi friends, it's uh, the second week of this show yep. and uh, probably I should come up with a better way to open the show. Now we're going to be on the last episode and you'll be all like, this is the 876th week of this show we're doing. Yeah, but uh, Tidro just told you it's episode 2. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, not hard. But uh, that's okay. So, uh... The Joker's back already. He sure is. Like, uh, if you were watching this as a kid, mm-hmm. this aired five days a week, and you got two Joker episodes in the same week, that seems a little weird. See, was, like, I, I remember watching this five da- days out of the week and just like, ooh, another Joker episode. He's way better than Scarecrow, who was on le- yesterday. Well, okay, but... At the beginning of your series, don't you want to give each of your sort of main guys like like and, and I include Man Bat as main guys begrudgingly. Mm. No, I know. But don't you want to at least have like one episode with the penguin and one episode with, I don't know, Poison Ivy, well, especially Croc. Since, like, like like Batman Returns had just come out again. Like you think yeah. the penguin would be who they'd be front loading. Yeah, you would think. Or Catwoman. Mm-hmm. But or Max uh, Shrek. Of course. Popular Batman villain. Has he popped up in anything since Batman Returns? <laughs> Obviously, he, he was a Tim Burton creation. He but uh... absolutely has not. And it, sh- it shocks me that he's never sh- he never showed up in like the Morrison run when they were doing all like like that. That that run is full of like callbacks to old Batman stuff that yeah, everyone isn't... else has forgotten. Isn't the point of that, like, let me go rooting around at the bottom of the of the toy box for Ex- things that people don't usually dig up? Exactly. Which I really enjoyed. I read that, and you know, I usually find Grant Morrison, you know, like, I've I've gotten more into him in the last few mm. years. Like, I love his run on Doom Patrol. I liked Animal Man. But, like, yeah. for a while it took me, you know, uh, it took me a little while to sort of get into his, like, really dense style. But, mm. but his Batman was just fun. Oh, yeah. Which is not a thing I ever expected to say about a Grant Morrison comic. Well, the, 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 one of the great things about Grant Morrison, get off on a tangent here, is, like... There's all different kinds of Grant Morrison comics. Like, you can get the weird, brainy stuff, but you can also get his Batman run or his Justice League run, which is incredibly straightforward and also really fucking good. I could never get past the art on that, which is very sort of late 90s cross-hatched. It just was not my thing. You are not wrong. And I know a lot of people are into that. I'm not saying it's bad art. I'm saying it's the kind of art I don't care for. Mm. But uh, anyway... um, it's it's still strange to me that we didn't get like more episodes with the other villains. I mean, Scarecrow's a good one. Like, yeah, yeah throw hit throw him out early because he'll he'll be popping up from time to time. Mm-hmm. But uh, another Joker one. This is also one of those anyway. interesting ones where like, so I grew up on the '66 show. So anyone who yeah. didn't show up on the '66 show, I had probably not heard of. Hmm. So getting guys like Scarecrow, who I'd never heard of, or like when Two-Face shows up later, who's a huge guy who I just like, when this show was playing, I had like no idea who he was. 
Yeah, but if you now, knowing what you know, mm-hmm. like as a as a you know a Batman scholar, noted Batman scholar Matt Robot, sure. If you were to name like Batman's top three, like Two Face would probably be in there. Oh right? yeah, at least in the top five. Yeah, like he's one of the main ones. Yeah. I think wasn't the whole thing back in the 66 era that he was just a little too grotesque, like they couldn't make it work because it wasn't goofy enough. Well, and I'm not sure because there's that Harlan Ellison script that they've repurposed a couple of times now. Right. Where he was supposed they were supposed to do an episode with him. And like, I don't know if they if they thought he was too scary or if they just never got around to him. But I don't know. There were a lot like in in the late run of that show it it finally hit video a few years ago and Mm -hmm. and we watched most of it Mm -hmm. and kind of skipped most of the third season because they they kind of really ran out of ideas and budget and yeah it's it's unfortunate because that's when batgirl shows up and she's great she is great but the show like uh, the writing wasn't there the budget wasn't there Mm -hmm. it just like she deserved better yeah but anyway spinoff yeah but in any case, uh, b- back on topic. Why don't you tell us what happens in Nothing to Fear? Why don't I indeed? Yes, you have no reason not to. <laughs> so things are looking dire at good old Gotham U. Attendance is down. The football team is on a losing streak. And, oh yeah, some motherfucker keeps robbing the place and then setting it the fuck on fire. So Bruce Wayne shows up to throw some money around until local professor Dr. Long tells him that he's a disgrace to his family and his name. Bruce quietly decides to save this year's donation for the Save the Whales Foundation or something. Unfortunately, at that moment, a helicopter arrives with Gotham's newest villain, the Sinister Scarecrow, and his two friends, Nigel and Anthony. They rob the university's vault, I guess, and then set it on fire and poison everyone with Scarecrow's fear gas. If you didn't know, fear gas shows the victim its greatest fears, like spiders or sharks, or being deported because a failed TV show host somehow became president. Batman shows up because luckily he's been taking cooking classes here on Thursdays and tries to do that thing where he beats everybody up, but he's bamboozled by Anthony hiding on a filing cabinet while Scarecrow shoots him with a dart full of fear gas. Batman starts hallucinating that his father thinks he's a disappointment, so he goes home for a pep talk from Alfred, everybody's favorite surrogate father figure. Meanwhile, Scarecrow, Nigel, and Anthony return to their home base so that Scarecrow can reveal his identity, Jonathan Crane, former psychologist and Grinch lookalike, and his origin. How dare the university I used to work at fire me just because I was doing unethical and dangerous experiments on students for my own amusement. He's one they dared call me mad rant away from being the abominable Dr. Fibes. So the university hosts the big Save Our School benefit, and all of Gotham's richest assholes show up to throw checks in a giant, easily stolen barrel. Then the Scarecrow shows up and floods the place with fear gas again, easily steals the easily stolen barrel, and escapes via blimp. Batman shows up again and gives chase, fighting Anthony on top of the blimp, which is the coolest place to fight anybody, except maybe the top of a train. After knocking both the Scarecrow's good friends out of the blimp to their deaths, Batman is about to capture Scarecrow when he has another fear gas attack, and Scarecrow fucks off in a glider. Dangling from the blimp seconds away from crashing, Batman yells at his daddy issues until they go away, which is basically how therapy works. Then he uses the bat computer in his la- to find the lair of the Scarecrow at Crane Chemicals. He drugs Scarecrow with his own fear gas, causing Crane to shit himself and then fall over. Later, Bruce Wayne stands over his father's grave, remembering the important lesson. It doesn't matter if your parents aren't proud of you, if they're dead and in hell. 
Now, are they canonically in hell? Because that feels like something Grant Morrison would have done, too. Possibly? <laughs> we talked about this before we started. I am surprised you didn't find a way to tie the uh, psychologist Dr. Crane mm. to the famous TV psychologists Dr. Crane and Dr. Crane. I, I, I spent some time thinking about this because there's... It, it's clear there's a Frasier joke in here somewhere. And I'm Obviously. just like, eh, I don't feel like making this. Maybe Nigel should be Niles? Yes, Niles Crane. Yes. I don't know. I didn't. I never really watched Frasier, so I couldn't say. I did, but also, you know, like... Yeah, I mean, the, uh, the comedy bit is inherent here where you just do the Kelsey Grammer voice being the Scarecrow, but I don't feel like yeah. it. Yeah, I can't you do can a Kelsey imagine. Grammer. I could if I listened to him for a few minutes. Not not a great one, but probably a passable one. I just it fresh in my head. I don't know. I guess I know enough sideshow Bob things. You know, mm-hmm. Scarecrow my- shows up. Yeah, <laughs> my yeah. God, Niles, that's the best mm-hmm. you're gonna get out of me. Oh, and also that noise uh, he made, <laughs> Kelsey Grammer made when he fell off those stairs that time. Oh, good lord. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh no, a rake. <laughs> my so- greatest enemy. So this was kind of a mixed bag of hay. Uh-huh. Like, it was... Much like the Scarecrow it, himself? Yes. This was, like, had some really good, interesting, complex stuff going on, while at the same time, uh, well, you're a bad thing. I don't want to step on yeah. this. Yeah. So I like the Scarecrow better in concept than in practice. He's kind of a third-rate Joker, but without the sense of humor. And also, like, this early Scarecrow in the animated series is... A whole lot of nothing. Like, he's got a real unoriginal shitty costume, a real unoriginal shitty scheme, and he's just kind of all around dull, you know? Well, I feel like the main influence on him, and I I don't know this from anywhere, this is speculation on my part, Mm. but it feels like they were drawing on the Scarecrow from The Wizard of Oz, like the most famous Scarecrow He definitely looks a lot like the Wizard of Oz Scarecrow. Where he's got that sort of, and, and you know, the dude back in the day who played him, and I don't remember his name off the top of my head, mm. but uh, did that great sort of, like, flouncing around where his limbs don't quite work, and, like, that's kind of how they animated him. He did these weird little dances sometimes, like he was unsure on his feet. Yeah. And, like, but between that and sort of the lighthearted comedy music, it felt like he wasn't a threat. Yeah, he's just, like, this is the most... This is the most working class Batman villain I've ever seen to the point where like there's scenes in this where he's frantically trying to put out a fire with a fire extinguisher, which removes all tension from the character. And a bit at the yeah, end. Yeah, your henchmen do that, man. Yeah. You stand there looking menacing while fire threatens to, to like engulf your hay body. Yeah. No one wants to see a Batman villain who's like, oh, shit. Also, if your main thing is using a gas that makes people terrified, mm-hmm. maybe Give yourself an antidote or be wearing a, a gas mask or something. Like, yeah. the fact that he was defeated with his own fear gas is like, you are not a top tier villain if that got you, dude. This is very, this is the origin of like a character who, like, eventually you'll be a decent Batman villain, but right now yes. you're just, this is some real first day shit. And it really surprised me because, okay, over on the Post-Atomic Horror, where uh, we were reviewing Star Trek and we ran out, mm. we started reviewing some some other shows like we, while we were waiting for Star Trek to come back. And we actually reviewed a couple episodes of this show, and mm. we'll, we'll be getting to them again when we get to them. Uh, but one of them was one of my all-time favorite episodes of this show, mm-hmm. um, which I am drawing a blank on the title Is it of. perchance to dream? No, no, that's not it. 
it's I oh boy. That's a Mad Hatter one. Draw on a blank. Yeah. Anyway, it's one where uh uh Barbara Oh uh, over the Batgirl. edge. Thank you. Over I was, the edge. I kept I, out of the past because that's another one. I'm like, yeah. no, that's not right, but that's the same sort of like sentence construction. Mm-hmm. Um but uh, the scarecrow in that is terrifying. They redesigned him yep. and Jeffrey Combs does his voice yeah, and he does. everything about him and and the actual fear gas is an incredible like catalyst for some really heavy shit. Mm-hmm. And here pretty good, but I mean, you know, if you want something that'll make you feel like you're covered in spiders or something, you know, nailed it. Well, but I mean, this is your good thing. What he does to to Batman is actually pretty impressive. Yeah, um so we play a little bit on Bruce's fears about disappointing his parents, and that's a really good concept to tackle. Like, yeah, especially yeah. early in his bat career where maybe he's not quite sure that he's doing the right thing. Mm-hmm. Like, I feel like the Batman we know from late in this series into Justice League and definitely when we get to Batman Beyond would not feel like this. Yeah. But early on, he's like, oh, I just threw a billion dollars into this ridiculous thing that no one's ever done before. Mm-hmm. Like, there's no superheroes yet. He's yeah. probably the first one. Yeah. Like, what What am I doing? And my dad would be so ashamed. Also, this guy just happened to mention this today, so mm-hmm. it's in my head. He, he's been thinking about it a lot. My dad disappointed in me. He never specifically yep. said, don't dress as a bat and fight crime, Bruce. But I don't think he was for it either. But also, I was, what, seven when he was gunned down? Mm-hmm. So we, we probably didn't, like, we were going to have the talk and and it didn't happen yet. Mm. So I don't know. I like the idea of him. Like it's maybe not in the forefront of his mind all the time, but the fact that someone happened to mention it mm-hmm. to him, got him thinking about it. I, that's that's, I thought some good writing. And actually uh, is your quote, his, his speech. Yes. Okay. Yeah. I'm going to just go ahead and play that here. Mm-hmm. No, you are not my father. I am not a disgrace. I am vengeance. I am the knight. I am Batman. Which is fantastic and was used as a as a promotional thing when when the show ran on I think Cartoon Network and like Conroy does it at, at cons. He's yep. done it. like it's it's one of the sort of like quintessential Batman, Batman things. Yes. Yeah. But what's interesting, what I noticed this time, it's based almost entirely on Something the Scarecrow says to him earlier. Yeah. I am the Scarecrow. I am fear. I, I am the and, Prince of Fear. And you're just like, no, no, Jonathan. but but it's I think del- a deliberate choice and good writing mm-hmm. for again that to stick in his subconscious, mm-hmm. and then later when he's fighting these visions of his fear to draw on that to to make himself feel better. Yeah. Like that was that was good. I like that. It's very good. Yeah. And I I hadn't spotted that before. That famous speech is built on something from the Scarecrow that should have been a throwaway nothing. I stole this from the Scarecrow. Don't tell anyone. Yeah, I'm I'm famous for it now. But really, it's it's like a it's like a band getting famous for a cover song. Copyright, copyright, copyright. Mail this to myself. Yep. I mean, look, he's Bruce Wayne. He can he could do it. Um. So speaking of Scarecrow speech, is my bad thing. Mm-hmm. The Scarecrow has a speech to his goons, which, as you correctly point out, Anthony and Nigel. Yep. He says them, he has this weird relationship with his his henchmen, and it's one of my favorite things, where they're just like, they seem to just really like and respect him. Mm-hmm. It's but like, also man, they're kind of really dumb. Li- I really like being friends with the Scarecrow. But also they're kind of dumb. Like, it's, oh, yeah. It's, uh, this is a very sort of standard 
uh, comedy setup. Not that it's bad, mm-hmm. but but that um, I'm a college professor and I've got hired muscle here, and they don't understand any of the smart things that I'm saying. Yeah, shtick, which I, they did to pretty good effect, I would say. It just it feels like to me if the caper had gone over the way it was supposed to, and he had mm-hmm. gotten his revenge, like Jonathan Crane would have gotten a, f- a phone call two weeks from now from like. Anthony and or Nigel asking if he wants to go down to a bar and hang out for a while. You know, just just as equals. <laughs> you idiots, I hired you for a job. Yeah, but you yeah, seem but... really cool and you tell a really good story about your own, uh, about your origins. He doesn't. No. Is the thing. There's a there's a 3 or 4 minute sequence where we learn his origin story and you know Look, this is the Batman show. He's got ridiculous villains with crazy origin stories. Mm-hmm. You got to hear their origin stories. That's part of it. But just telling it to us, I don't know. Like, yeah. I like it better when Batman uncovers it using his detective skills, mm-hmm. or even if we just get a straight up flashback that shows us. But when someone's narrating it as a story, they're telling someone it just eh, yeah doesn't work for me. <laughs> Once upon a time, I right. was an insane researcher who tortured people, and they fired me for some reason. Also, they do this like this basic kind of thing so much more effectively later with i mean the the big example in my head is uh mr freeze Mm -hmm. where he was a scientist but a sympathetic scientist not a crazy one yeah and like working on stuff and then they they cut off the research yeah you know like it's it's you can take that same basic story and repurpose it to that's much a, greater that's effect. That's a good reason to get revenge. This is a stupid yeah. reason to get revenge. But it's basically the same thing, it except what he was doing with the research, what Doctor, what Mr. Freeze was doing was a little, like, uh, personal. Like, mm-hmm. you know, he's he's using company resources to, to do something personal. Yeah. But uh, other than that, it's basically the same story. Yeah. But, yeah. it's Also, the guy doing his voice wasn't that impressive to no. me. Like, not it much just, better it, than what we're doing right now. Not really, no. It's like, we know this character can be better. We've seen it. Mm-hmm. And even in, like, Batman Begins, he was pretty interesting. Oh, like, yeah. Definitely scary. And, mm-hmm. like, in the Arkham games, he was fucking terrifying. Oh, he's great in the Arkham games. That's probably the yeah. best. I was trying to think if I've ever read a good Scarecrow comic, and I don't think I have. Yeah, because you were saying, like, uh, better in theory than in practice, but I can think of three good examples of, of Scarecrows. Yeah. But... I, I don't know that I've read, like, I mean, you've read way more comics than mm-hmm. I have, but... Uh, Just not that much. Uh, he doesn't get up to that much. Most people aren't interested in him. Yeah, but fear is such a good, like, you can do a lot with that. Oh, especially yeah. Especially when you play on the idea that Batman uses fear to intimidate people. Mm-hmm. You, can, you can twist that around. And that makes him unique among all the other guys because they're scary in different ways, but they're not trying to, you know... Yeah. Like, go after your deepest, darkest fears, which, as you point out, usually involve bugs. Yeah, well, that's real. That's easy to animate. Yeah. It's less It's 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 a lot harder to do something like, oh, God, I'm so afraid of home ownership. I mean, there were definitely people at that fundraiser gala who did not have bugs crawling on them, who were scared of something. Mm-hmm. And it could have been, like, fear of failure or, you know like I'm an imposter or, you yeah. know, all of that kind of stuff. Like we don't know what's going on in their heads. The the best one I thought was when one of his, uh, uh, one of his henchmen gets, gets gassed and he starts hallucinating that he's back in prison. Oh yeah. I yeah, like yeah. that he's, a whole he's, lot. He's clearly claustrophobic anyway. Uh-huh. And having been in prison really plays on his claustrophobia. And yeah. it was, yeah, that was good. That and was they real, did some real good, good. They did some good sort of like, uh, uh, 
minimalist animation where he's just on black and the walls come in and that was quite good. I really want to call out the um the backgrounds in this one. Like Oh yeah. These are these are backgrounds they use in lots of episodes. I think we're just seeing them for the first time. Mm-hmm. I don't think they were made specifically for this for this episode. It's just we get some, because we do the whole blimp thing. We're we're moving through the city and seeing a lot of buildings, a lot of exterior shots. And just those gorgeous Art Deco buildings, yep. man. So much just ah, oh, yeah. Just makes me drool. Mm-hmm. Like gargoyles and big ah, yeah. So good. It's 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 so nice just even now it's such a gorgeous fucking show. Well, that's you know, I will continue throughout this show to make jokes about how ago this is because mm-hmm. it, it's baffling that he has a supercomputer that can do things that computers now can do, but also it's clearly the 40s. See, what I love is when we start expanding the universe, like Superman's not like this. Like Metropolis is. Ah, but it is. Superman's like this, like the the bright side of this. Mm-hmm. Superman's the like uh, optimistic World's Fair version of the future of the 40s. All right. Whereas this is like the dark and gritty sort of noir version sure. of it. Like it's the same aesthetic, but it's the it's the positive version of it. Which is what I always really liked. Yeah. Like Metropolis looks like this too. The fucking Daily Planet building fits right in with all this other stuff. All right, then it's just a weird fucking universe. I mean it is. It absolutely is. That somehow evolves into Batman Beyond universe. I yeah. I'm into it. Um like, what if all of this but Tron? Mm... No, because I like Batman Beyond. Get some lasers in here. <laughs> what if this but Akira? How about that? Oh, that's better. Yeah. Um. So my good thing. Yes. Oh, I love Alfred. Yeah. I love. I love what a catty bitch he can be, and he's got moments like that here. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, dressing up as a bat again, sir. <sighs> Going to put nipples on the suit next. Is you know, that just... a really a good idea, sir? Mm-hmm. But I also love that when it really matters, he knows to drop that act and tell Bruce how he really feels. There's if, if this had been my episode to choose a quote mm-hmm. for, I would have chosen the bit where like Bruce is freaking the fuck out. Yeah. He's like, Alfred, is, I'm I'm so scared. Like my dad's disappointed in me. Mm-hmm. I, do you think he is? And Alfred says, I know he would be proud of you because I'm proud of you. Yeah. No, it was. And, trust. Oh, God. Yeah. It was the front runner until I realized that the speech is in this episode. So, yeah. No, but that, it was close. That, that Alfred line, like, as the kids say, hit yeah. me right in the feels. Yep. Just uh, so good. Well, I love... And you don't get that, like, you get glimmers of it when it matters, but usually he's just kind of fucking with him. He's kind of, you know, like, being sarcastic, but he loves him, and yeah. I love that. Well, this this is really the show where, like, I started to see how good the supporting cast could be. You know, yeah. like before this, Alfred and Jim Gordon are a whole lot of nothing, especially if you watch well, the 60s show. I was going to say, if, if if your only version of those were the 60s show, then yeah. Or the fu- or fucking Batman 89, where mm-hmm. Commissioner Gordon's just like, look out, Batman. There's mm-hmm. a new villain in town. He could, This could be any cop. Uh-huh. And they just named him Commissioner Gordon because that's a name you recognize. Yeah. But he's nothing. But <laughs> actually, Commissioner Gordon and Alfred both are awesome. Yes. And this shows that. And the best thing is, I'm I'm aware of this in the comics. I haven't read a lot of this, mm. but I know sort of late they realized they could give him sort of a like a commando background or like a spy background. Yep. And he's retired from all that, so he he can help Batman in like ways 
that you wouldn't realize. Well, he does like the surgery and stuff. A lot of the uh, the 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 questions that you ask about, like, well, how does Batman do this? The usual answer is Alfred does it. Mm-hmm. And it makes sense if mm-hmm. you know, in a in a former professional life, he was MI six or whatever. Yeah. But uh, it's interesting that this Alfred is still great without even that extra cool thing. Is what I mean. Mm-hmm. Like even with that, without that huge revelation, they still made him really great. Yeah. And I read a thing once that said, like, we will gradually see Bruce push everyone in his life away. Mm-hmm. We will gradually see him distance himself to the point where in Batman Beyond, a bunch of his old friends are still alive, but no one's talked to him for years. And no. he's alone in the cave. He's got a dog and that's it. Yep. And and I've heard it argued that it all fell apart when Alfred died. I could definitely see that. Like he he made some questionable choices with with Barbara and, mm-hmm. and with Dick and oh with Tim. he made some questionable choices with Barbara that we'll get into we'll definitely get into that but Jesus I I but this was a, and I can't remember where I saw it now this was like ten years ago mm-hmm. someone had this really well thought out idea that it all started when he lost Alfred because without that sort of conscience heart whatever you want to call yeah. it he just like. His natural inclination was to pull away from people. Well, Alfred humanizes him. Alfred's the one who's all like, no, you should also do Bruce Wayne shit. Mm-hmm. It's important to do that. And yeah. he does. Mm-hmm. And that's why that's why people like um, like Professor Long think he's a jerk mm-hmm. because he's worked so hard at making Bruce seem like a vapid nothing. Yeah. That he thinks he's a vapid, like, oh, God, your father would just... Uh. It's I like thi- that. It's a thing they do really well in Batman in uh, Batman Begins, mm-hmm. where it's like I will sacrifice my name and like all of the goodwill. Yeah, people that- think the Waynes are smart and kind people, and I'm just gonna look like a total ass. I will set like I will sacrifice that because it's worth it to to be Batman and to make like I'm the last guy people are gonna think is, are doing this. Yeah, no, I I've always understood the idea of Bruce being you know like the more he dials up the the charming goof, mm-hmm. the less likely people are ever going to think he's Batman. But it it means things like this. It means people who remember his parents uh-huh. are going to think, oh, Jesus, you you huge disappointment. You total fuck up. Mm-hmm. And I like that. I know you had some problems with that, but I liked it. Well, it, it, it's, it doesn't bother me so much in the show as it does just like, you dumbass, he's the richest guy on the planet. He's the only one who can save your stupid university. Yeah, but he doesn't care about that. Mm-hmm. Thomas Wayne wasn't a, you know, wasn't a jackass. That's true. I mean, I assume. I don't know. You think they're in hell, so how, <laughs> what do I know? There's been a lot of interpretations of the, the Waynes over the years. Of course there has. Because they're, o- uh, they're only sort of important, so, like, you get a lot of, like, ah, he did this, he did that. Yeah, you can make them, you know, anything you want, really. Mm-hmm. There is almost uh, no characterization for Martha Wayne whatsoever. Why did you say Martha? <laughs> I'm never going to stop doing that. This is a good joke. No, it's really not. Not as good I've as the main voice, but, uh, I, you know. I, uh, nothing's as good as the Bane voice. Nothing. All right. Well, Anything else hilarious. about this episode? I'm not done yet. Uh, well, I'll be over here. You tell me when you're done. <laughs> uh, I think that's everything I got for this one. All right. We did your quote. All right. So let's move forward to The Last Laugh. As we mentioned, another Joker episode. Mm. It's April Fool's Day in Gotham, and you'd think someone like the Joker would take today off. You know, like the supernatural folk in Buffy on Halloween. But no, he's chosen today to pull off his most sinister and complex plan ever. Nah, April Fool's. 
He just uses his laughing gas on a bunch of people and then steals stuff while they're laughing themselves literally to death. I mean, it's a kid's cartoon and nobody actually dies, so you have to read between the lines for that, and, uh, hmm. Maybe if I read hard enough between the lines, I can find more of a plot? Because seriously, laughing gas is pretty much it. Then Batman figures out who's doing the laughing gas-related crimes using his detective skills, tracks the Joker down to this week's hideout, which is on a garbage barge for some reason, and punches a bunch of guys till it's over. One of the guys is a robot. And that is all. That is all that happened. I wish more had happened, not just for the sake of my summary, but because this ended up being another kind of boring episode starring the Joker, which just, I mean, how do you even... This one felt like, to me, the Joker looked up at a calendar at on, like, March 31st or whatever and was just like, Oh, mm-hmm. shit! April, Fool, April Fool's Day's tomorrow! I Everyone's gonna be expecting some... a thing from me. I gotta plan a thing real, sl- real quickly. Alright, what do I got laying around? A submarine, a robot dressed as a clown, and some laughing gas. Alright, I can make this work, fellas. I mean, look, Harvey's there on the second of every month doing something real stupid, so, you know, I gotta, I gotta <laughs> be on brand here. <sighs> it just, uh, our, our friend Flonk, who mm-hmm. will be a guest on the show soon, he was, he's a regular guest on the Post-Atomic Horror as well, uh, said, how can there be two Bad Joker episodes already? And I wanted so hard for him to be wrong. I yeah. wanted to disagree with him, but he's right. This is this the Joker's nothing so far. Yeah, this has the same flaws that uh, Christmas with the Joker had. It's very, it's very run of the mill, you know. Like, there's not a whole lot to it. It's a big, it's really a big chase scene, but not in any way that's actually interesting, you know. No, this show could do some good suspense and it could do some good action sequences, but uh, that's that's not happening here. I this is actually my bad thing. Mm-hmm. I was willing to cut the last episode a little slack. I mean, you know, last minute recasting, first attempt at tackling an iconic bat villain, but this is two in a row now, man. Mm-hmm. And it's I I we talked about this. I think the reason is he's not scary yet there's He's... nothing menacing like the joker is a terrifyingly random mix of shtick and like murderousness yeah. and they got the shtick boy do they have that but that's it he's i'm not scared of him yet no there's like one good moment in this you pointed this out when we were watching it What's that? Uh, when uh, when he's got batman shoved into a barrel he's about to throw off the barge and he just stabs it a bunch of times oh yeah you think you think the bit is I'm putting him in this airtight barrel and he's going to suffocate. But then he's like, oh, I better poke some holes. And then he like violently rams this like ice pick into yeah. the thing. And it's almost there, but that's kind of it. Yeah. And that's that's the Joker I'm talking about, because it's scary and funny at the same mm-hmm. time. And you never know which one is coming next. Yeah. And that's like the unpredictability is why ba- why he keeps like vexing Batman mm-hmm. is because. Batman is very methodical. He very like he analyzes things and he can tell like what you're going to do next. And like the Joker's just immune to all that. Yeah. Like that's the whole point. And so far, this Joker's just make a bunch of jokes and I don't know, steal some stuff. I mean, he's at least he's funny, you know? Yeah, there were some. There, honestly, this is my quote. He had a bunch of puns and like usually I will roll my eyes at a bad pun. Mm-hmm. But the way to the way to win me over is to just bury me in them. Like, if you, one pun is going to make me roll my eyes. Sure. Ten puns, probably going to make me smile. And this one had at least ten. Like, he just, that was his thing this time, was just making a bunch of terrible jokes constantly. Uh-huh. 
And now, the one the one that caught me off guard the most and made me laugh the most is is this one. I'm here in downtown Gotham where corporate CEOs have gone stark raving mad. It would appear that the collapse of the stock market is now imminent. The question is, will April Fool's Day mark the end of Gotham City as we know it? The only things gaining now are the laughing stocks. <laughs> Which was just so stupid. The laughing stocks. Was that was like, that your favorite pune or play on words? It was indeed. <laughs> but uh, you know that, and a couple of tiny one second yeah. animation flares that were good. That's that's about it, yeah, right? Really. Um, like these are my I I I, I picked two tiny good things because there's just not a lot going on. Not much one. to pick from. Yeah. Um, I love the design of Captain Clown, his giant robot. Uh, under the mask oh yeah so like there's this like joker's got his two goons and then he's got this big quiet clown who drives the the barge and you realize he's a robot when batman tries to punch him in the chest and it goes dong like he's bender Mm -hmm. telling you how much uh how much zinc (laughs) he has oh i thought he was gonna punch his chest and it would disappear in the crowd But uh, Batman eventually hits him in the in the head with a pipe so many times that his face falls off. He's got a kick-ass fucking Art Deco robot underneath. Yeah, he looks like sort of an old radio crossed with an old car with like you know just that that wonderful aesthetic mm-hmm. of like the the lots of big heavy metal and the, the like. There's probably a fin on the back of the head somehow. Yep. And the grill where the mouth should be, just very yeah, good. It's, it's awesome. Yes. No, that's true. And the other one and, is there's a shot of the Joker when he's escaping from Batman, where he's just sitting on Captain Clown's unblinking cu- or uh, cubed corpse, just staring at the camera. And I remember how much it creeped me the fuck out as a kid. There's this great sort of—it's not Venetian blinds, but it's the same kind of effect that mm-hmm. that like sort of stripes of of light and dark, like illuminating him as he goes down this elevator thing. Yeah, that between the look and the lighting. Was a very good, but again, like two or three seconds, yeah, and like of excellent animation does not make a good episode. And like this Joker's not sinister enough to justify that shot, not yet. You know, he will be. Yeah, we know he will be for a fact. Mm-hmm. I don't remember when it happens. Maybe he needs Harley Quinn. Maybe he needs someone to to bounce off of. I don't know. Well, we've got uh, another episode coming up in a couple of weeks. Uh, that if I think I remember correctly might be good, but uh, we'll see. Well, there's I'm looking at the list now, and there's one called Be a Clown. Which yeah, I that's the one is... I'm thinking of. Okay. Uh, that's the one so... where he kidnaps a small boy. I don't remember that one, but all right. I mean, there's I, there's absolutely good ones coming yeah. up. So, oh, Joker's Favor's good. That Joker's Favor not... fucking rules. Yeah, that one's not too that's long. That's the first now. Harley Quinn appearance. Is it? Yeah. Okay. I think it's oh. a Paul Dini episode, so that explains that. Yeah, I, I I assume Zatanna's also in there somewhere somehow. She didn't show up till later in the series. No, I know, but like as a like I don't know, a can of sardines is like Zatanna brand or just like <laughs> somewhere completely inappropriate that he just threw the name in just for something. Mm-hmm. Well, he really loves Zatanna, so I I yeah, you mentioned that, sir. <laughs> we need more dicks for the dick ship. <laughs> he loves Zatanna so much he married her somehow. I know. So here's a here's a fun thing that we run into sometimes over on the other show. Mm. My good thing is your bad thing. It is. Uh, there's, there's uh, uh, the score in this. Mm-hmm. I think we would agree is very unconventional, very unlike the score in pretty much any other episode. It was very distinct. I really enjoyed it. You did not. Uh, which is fair. Exactly. It's it's very like 
it's it's a orchestral score, but it's got percussion in it. Mm-hmm. So it's it's a little more rhythmic than normal. And I really liked it. I, I don't know how to describe it beyond that. Chug jigga wugga. Chug jigga wugga. It's a bit like that. <laughs> I actually this is a little bit of a tangent, but uh, years and years ago I was involved in the development of a of an indie video game that uh, was about supervillains mm. and when we got to the point where we were going to make some music, uh, guy I was working with was like, uh, we could probably hire someone to write one or two tracks. Like, the probably can't do much, but like, if you give me some sort of sound-alike stuff, I'll see what I can do. And this was on the very short list of stuff that I wow. wanted. Like, just super interesting, not not sort of standard, straightforward superhero stuff, but still sort of feels like it belongs there. Mm. And I really liked it. Yeah. I, so, uh, the opposite. Not. That's fair. Yeah, no, I just, from, like, the second it started, just like, what is this? It's so <laughs> different to everything else, like, every other piece of Batman music I've heard on this show, and it was well, so distracting. Right now, they're leaning so hard on the Danny Elfman theme mm-hmm. that I think it was ni- extra nice to me to hear something just that wasn't trying to be that, that was something else. Mm. But, I don't know, I like it, the actual sound of it, too. So. It just seems so out of place for me. Mm, all right, and like they would, like they would queue up that it's got that that very like dis- distinctive to yeah. start it, and it all like every time it popped up, I'm like, well, there's that song again. <laughs> but I mean, the Joker has a theme; he does, and that was woven into to the music as well. Oh yeah, there's a great uh, there's a great like light version of his theme at one point in this episode that I loved. Yeah, see, so you know. sounds like someone's playing on a little accordion. <laughs> or possibly your wife's concertina. Could be. Mm-hmm. I wonder if she could learn that on the concertina. That would be amazing. Could be. Um, Actually, we forgot in the previous episode mm. to do our Kids Love Batman, because I think you found one for the Oh, I mentioned one. this already during the episode, but like just tackling Bruce's daddy issues is like... Yeah, who... Like, you were six or whatever when the show came out, eight or something. Mm-hmm. Like, did, did you understand what he was scared of, really? No. I can't imagine you would have. This was, like this is this hits the sweet spot in that it's... I am a huge Batman fan, but I am, like, at the exact age where I'm developing a lot of, a lot of like, tastes and opinions and stuff. Yeah, this show probably went pretty far to defining those tastes and opinions. It sure did. That's uh, one of the things we'll be getting into as we go through this show. Yeah. Um. But, like, you know, and as someone who, and I've said this a million times, as someone who grew up on Batman 66, getting into this was just like, wow, you know? Like, oh, okay, yeah, in- we're, we're going to deal with Batman's parents, people yeah, who were parents. mentioned one time in the, uh, in the uh, original yeah, but they, I mean, apart from that deliberately goofy, lighthearted take on Batman, his dead parents loom pretty large. Like we said before, maybe they don't really have much character, mm-hmm. but the concept of them, the idea that they were killed. I mean, how many times have we seen that scene? Yeah. Outside the movie theater with the pearls and like too many. Mm-hmm. Who's who's died more on screen, Uncle Ben or Martha and Thomas Wayne? Martha and Thomas Wayne, you've seen those pearls hit the ground so many times. Yeah, everyone but Uncle ben, loves to fucking do that shit. Every time they reboot Spider-Man though. Mm-hmm. Well, they left it off at least once like uh we haven't I guess seen that's uh, true. Uh, uh the most current version. Yeah. I guess that's true. Just cuz people are like I'm sick of watching Uncle Ben get shot. I get now, it. Now, 
did Tim Burton do the like? Did he create the pearls? Uh, I believe that's a Frank Miller creation. I believe uh, that's from oh Dark yes, yes, yes. You're right. You're right. You're right. Right. I was going to say because the first time I remember seeing that on screen mm-hmm. was in Batman '89, and there's there's not much from that movie. Like, I have complicated feelings about that movie. Like, sure. I I was we both do. I I was 13 when it dropped, and I was right in the heart of the hype. Like. Mm-hmm. I had Batman shoes. I had a different Batman T-shirt for every day of the week. Sure. I was so into it. And then, like, sort of into the 90s, and as I as I grew up, I was like, oh, that movie sucks. And then I came back to it not too long ago. I was like, this isn't so bad. There's a lot to like about that movie. There's also a lot not to like about that movie. But we talk about Batman things... murders like eight people in that movie. Oh, yeah, absolutely. But we talk about things that have contributed to sort of the, the overall, like, idea of Batman. Mm-hmm. And is there anything from that movie that stuck, really? Uh, the Batmobile. Eh, that was a good Batmobile, but th- they keep redesigning that. Like mm. the one in this show is sort of like that, I mean, but more ba- sort of a forties version. On, on the Burton Batmobile. Yeah, but it's also very like with the aesthetic of the show. It's sure. very forties looking. Yeah, but I don't know. Like for for being such a big important Batman milestone, it's weird that there's not much from that that's sort of like oh this originated there. Like yeah. I don't know. I don't the know, Joker's there, there was name a lot being the, Jack Napier I, or something. There was a lot at the time that uh, that Batman stuff picked up. Like he oh, he oh, he had the yeah. full black costume in the comics for a while. And I prefer the black and gray when when it gets to that on the show. Yeah, but, uh, I I uh, I'm a gray and blue guy. Yeah, I know you like the yellow oval. I I, I do think like it's the a little, yellow oval. I think it's a little silly for for a guy who's supposed to be so serious. I like me I like me a uh, I like me a uh, Neil Adams looking ass Batman. Which is weird because no, I'm not a big fan of those comics. The thing is, I think that look fits a certain version of Batman. Mm-hmm. But this version, particularly as he gets older and, and you know more distant, I think is not so whimsical, is not so, like, I don't know. Like, he doesn't smile later on. Yep. Like, he should not have a lot of br- bright colors. He no. should look almost like a fucking Dracula. And that, that design doesn't work for this this type of Batman. Yeah, but also early in the series, as we've said, mm. he is still pretty, you know. That's like, why he has the yellow oval. He's still got a human in there mm. somewhere. Anyway, so that was the that was the kids love Batman for the last episode. For this one, yes. I didn't have anything, but you stepped in. Well, I mentioned this and then I realized that this was actually also from the other episode. Um oh, okay. one of Scarecrow's goons gets an actual batarang just wedged in his hand, Frank Miller style. Oh wow. Like there's a thing. There's a thing he uh, that Frank Miller does in Batman Returns where he throws a bunch of batarangs at a guy, and the guy they just sticks in the guy's hand like they're little like they're little metal right. darts. Uh, right. Joker gets one in the eye in one of the coolest fucking moments in an extremely cool comic. Mm-hmm. And just seeing that mean, in this, you mean Dark Knight Returns? You it, said Batman Returns, right? Dark Knight Returns. Excuse me. Yes. Um. No, and just seeing it, seeing it in this, seeing a guy like get stabbed in the hand. Yeah, I mean children's show. Yeah, of course, kids love Batman, uh-huh. but there really wasn't anything like I was almost gonna make it. He keeps wailing on this big tough goon and like with a pipe and mm-hmm. nothing ha- like I before I realized he was a robot. I mean, yeah. I knew that was a possibility, but I thought maybe he was just a big tough guy who mm-hmm. could take a punch, and I thought that was like at a certain point it was like okay, that's obviously a robot. There's no way standards and practices would allow him to cause this much like specific targeted violence to one guy. Yeah. And yeah, it turned out he was right. Like that's one of the reasons I like Transformers so much growing up was 
because that show wasn't people, they were allowed to be way more violent. Oh, they could do some some the horrible fucking robot things. loophole. Yeah, like that was a as a famous loophole, the robot loophole. Yeah, you could like you could show them blowing up. You could show oh, yeah. them, you know, you do you anything want. to a robot. They don't have souls. Yes, exactly. Uh, so I had I did have a uh, hey, it's that guy mm-hmm. this time for the voice acting. Um, and this is kind of a, like, not really, like, somebody famous or really somebody like, ooh, I recognize that voice. It's just now we have the correct Alfred. Yes, and he was very this good. This uh, Ephraim Zimbalist Jr. Now, uh, Clive Revel was pretty good. Like, mm. he had that speech in, in the, the previous one that I said I really liked, and I did. He, I would have grown to like him. I know I would mm-hmm. have. But, you know, he did uh, sort of this thing, sort of the upper class twit thing, mm-hmm. and, uh, you know, Ephraim Zimbalist is like uh, the the Willikins character that I do definitely draws a bit yeah. on him. He's, he's gravelly sort of very like, cool, oh so. dear, you know, it's, it's very sarcastic. Oh, oh is it April Fool's Day, sir? Mm-hmm. See, and this is this he's is how, just very good. This is how Alfred sounds to me. You know, like he's got the yeah, but that's because that's because we watched this show. I think mm-hmm. if the other guy had stuck around, we would have liked him too. Well, I mean, more specifically, there's a trend now to do the Cockney Alfred, like, ever since Michael Caine played the character. like That's so weird. I've seen that version in a bunch of different stuff now. That, like, that was a weird choice in that movie. Wine. It's a weird choice in that movie, and it's a weird choice to stick with it. Well, it feels like they want to do, like, uh, like doing that, they can have, they can go, like, yeah, well, he's got this, 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 this gritty background that we don't know about, where he's like, yeah, I was down the pub beating the shit out of people. Right. And right. I was only supposed to blow everybody's doors off and, uh, you know, so on. She was, uh, she was only 16 years old. No, no. Now, Michael Caine Michael. sounds like this. <laughs> One of the funniest fucking things in the world is uh, Steve Coogan and Rob Brydon trying to out Michael Caine each other. I'm Michael Caine, but the cigars and a brandy. And a brandy. Uh-huh. And yes. She so was funny. only 16 years old. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're talking very little about the episode. That's because this episode's not very good. Like, I I usually ask you which one you want mm-hmm. to, to summarize, but this time I was like, okay, you did the Joker one last yeah. time. It should be me. Yeah, I just, and that's, that's fair. That's, I assume that's that. how I made the choice. Yeah. But I wish I hadn't, because uh-huh. there's, like, nothing, like, what the hell do I do? Yeah, I mean, like, at least with the Scarecrow, you can talk about how the Scarecrow is a new character. With the Joker, it's just like, well, the Joker showed up and kind of stank again. No, not just that, though. Like, the Scarecrow episode... Whether you think it was a good episode or not, and mm. I would say mixed. Yeah. I would say there were some very good things and some, eh. but um, there were a lot of plot beats. When you outline it, there's like ten things that happen. Mm-hmm. Seriously, this is Joker uses laughing gas. Batman chases Joker. Yep. Batman catches Joker. That's it. That's yeah. the whole plot. Like there's nothing else that happens. Mm-hmm. And I don't know how they got like two act breaks out of that because. Nothing happened. Well, we spend a lot of time watching citizens of Gotham City laugh themselves to death while the Joker walks around shopping. Yeah, and again, we don't know that they laugh to death, but most versions of the Joker, unless you jump in with an antidote mm. early enough, like, you're going to die from this. I remember uh, it was either Bruce Tim or Paul Dini, it was one of the two, mm-hmm. saying we could never show the Joker killing anyone, so we had to make the laughing gas look like the most horrible thing ever and imply that they died. Yes. And I think it should be the position of this show that anyone given laughing gas and Batman hasn't intervened. They died. Mm-hmm. Like Alfred didn't because he's got an antidote down in the Batcave or he yeah. cooked one up for the first time and now he's got it. Mm-hmm. Whatever. 
but those people in the streets probably dead. Probably dead. Mm-hmm. I killed like eighty people today. Mm-hmm. And then he at one point says, uh, "How many smiles per gallon does this submarine get?" Just terrible, terrible puns. I there's, love it. There's a great shot of his two goons just sort of looking at each other like, well, <sighs> I mean, we can't say we didn't know what was going to happen when the Joker hired us. Also, there's versions of the Joker, and this one goes this place sometimes, mm-hmm. when when they can sort of imply it, at least, that if you don't laugh at his jokes, he will kill you. Oh, yeah. He'll just shoot you in the face right there because you didn't laugh. Well, that's the thing I love is that, like, the Joker, when he's done well, is all over the place. Yep. Like you think you have you think you know what you're getting into and then you're not like he's a different guy the next day. And uh, the next minute. Yeah. And this show will get there. This mm. this version of the Joker definitely has that. He's just not quite there yet. Yeah. But we'll get there. I mean, he will eventually become like the definitive Joker basically. I mean, yeah. It's it's very hard when we did our Star Trek show, we tried to sort of only talk about what was in front of us, not about what we knew would happen mm-hmm. later. It's real hard to do that here. Yeah. It's real hard to to watch these early Joker episodes and not say, yeah, but he's great. Mm-hmm. Like, we have no evidence of that yet. But yes, he is. He's great. Yeah. Well, I, I can say this. I've seen more uh, going into this show. I've seen more of these episodes than I had when we were going into Star Trek. Yeah, but for instance, when we did TNG. Mm-hmm. We knew that show was going to get better, and we talked oh, yeah. about that a little bit, but we mostly tried to, to stay on topic, and mm. especially when we got into Deep Space Nine, we said, like, look, for, for the in the interest of spoilers, because this show changes a lot, mm-hmm. like, it's more serial than the other ones, we need to not say, yeah, but later, when Gul Dukat does such and such, yeah. like, we have to not say that, and here, I I don't know, I there's there's too many things we'll do our that best. I know about that, eh, I'm not that worried about Yeah. It, unless you are. Not really. Okay. Because... We've already, like, talked about uh, uh, Barbara and Bruce and, like, all sorts of yeah. horrible things, so. Barbara's going to show up in this show. Yes. And something regrettable will happen it's in their very... past. Yep. Oh, boy. I kind of like that, but we'll get to it when we get to it. I mean, yeah, we'll see. I, I like it as a choice. I don't think it's a good choice that the character made, but no. I like it as a deliberately bad character choice. Yeah. All right. Anything else about this one? I think that's everything. Uh, I do have a note that at one point Batman loses his cape and he looks fucking weird. He does look cape fucking to me. weird. Just not right. Just like if you had a Batman action figure, inevitably you'd lose the cape and mm-hmm. it just you might as well throw it away. That's like how everybody I knew had a fucking naked splinter action figure and they all looked fucking <laughs> weird. I see. I'm showing my age now. It was those original Kenner uh, Star Wars figures. Everyone lost like Obi-Wan's yep. robe. And later Yoda's robe. At least the Jawas still look good. Yeah, I guess that's true. Mm. Nothing like a naked Jawa. Nobody wants that. <laughs> Presumably other Jawas do. Mm. I don't know. There's two things I three things I know about Jawas. They they steal old droids. Yep. They really love that egg. And they like other naked Jawas. They got an, uh, they got an old sand crawler they like to work on. <laughs> All right, so I suppose that's all for this time. Yeah. Next time, we will be doing our first show with a guest. Yeah. Uh, we will have uh, all of the regulars from the Post-Atomic Horror who are our friends and, and mm. often people who are also pursu- pursuing their own creative endeavors. Mm-hmm. Uh, our, our friend, uh, Mark Bosco, a.k.a. Bob, 
will be joining us for the first uh, Poison Ivy episode next Ooh. week. Pretty Poison. And uh, The Underdwellers is the other one, and I don't remember which one that is, but I remember all of these shows doing at least one where there's like a bunch of uh, disenfranchised people living in the sewers, and it's probably one of them. Uh, if I'm remembering correctly, this is about like, it's a guy who has like orphans who steal for him. Ah, so it's a it's an artful dodger. Yeah, like, uh, I don't. So I remember good. not liking this one, so we'll see. Yeah, and then I, there's absolutely one of those of Batman Beyond, and I feel like there might have been one of those in Superman. Like they really like that idea for yeah. some reason. So, oh well. Yep. Well, uh, that's all for this time. Uh, our website is kidslovebatman.com. Uh, we are, as you probably know, since you're hearing the show on. Uh, spotify and uh stitcher and itunes uh you should leave a review of our show on itunes that will help us be more visible and uh raise our profile Mm -hmm. we are a new show and we'd we'd like people to know about our existence tell your friends yes tell your Uh, friends you like batman or that like uh, us doing other things that too we lost a few people on the star trek show just because they didn't want to watch 10 years worth of Star Trek and look I don't blame you I at the end there neither did I <laughs> but um, uh, you know I feel like those people might be back now because yeah. they want to hear us talk about something they are interested in uh, I have not yet set up an email address for the show but if you want to write to us you can use the other show's email address postatomichorror mm-hmm. at gmail uh, we will we will be happy to uh, to read your email uh, and we are on Twitter at Algar and at Robot Matt And I think that's all for this time. Yeah, see you, folks. For more information about this show and the people who make it, visit kidslovebatman.com. To provide financial support for this show and all of the shows produced by Algar Productions, consider a pledge at patreon.com slash Algar. That's double A-L-G-A-R. The Kids Love Batman podcast is a co-production of Matt Robotham and Ron Algar-Watt. Copyright 2020, Algar Productions. Please don't sue us. We're just doing this for fun.